that's my whole easy strength idea is just find loads that you just don't miss with because they're like Tommy Kono said, you know, if you miss, it takes you three correct attempts to undo the miss. This podcast is not to be used as medical advice or medical education. If you are experiencing pain, discomfort, or any other medical or physical ailment, please consult a licensed medical doctor or physical therapist. This is the strategy of fitness. Hey, this is Dan Gore from the Strategy of Fitness Podcast. We'd like to thank you for all of your support. And if you love the podcast, please recommend to a friend. Find the Strategy of Fitness on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. Please like, subscribe, follow, and leave a review if you can. On Instagram, we are at the Strategy of Fitness. And we also give you the best gym songs every week. The Strategy of Fitness official hitters playlist on Spotify. The Strategy of Fitness recently partnered up with Whoop, the best wearable technology you can use for any type of fitness that you're into. Just click on the link in our Instagram bio and sign up and get $30 off. Welcome back to the Strategy of Fitness podcast. My name is Nick Cressy, joined weekly by Dan Gorn and Rob Rowland. Boys, I'm just going to come out and spoil it right away. We had Dan John back and he was fucking awesome. We went a full hour, so we'll be quick with our intros and outros. What's going on, Dan? Dude, I'm reeling, man. I was like, I, I was fanboying out a little bit because having Dan John on again, part two, it was very similar to Too Fast, Too Furious. It's like the first one, wet your appetite. The second one fucking blew the house down. We got Ava Mendez. It was awesome. Love that interview. And I'm so excited. Workout wise, I'm going to throw it back to Rob. Rob, what did you hit in the gym? Wow. I don't give a, a heck about anything in your life, but what did you hit in the gym? See, right before this, I got back on my bike. I did 900 meter repeats with minute recovery for 10. So the legs are coming back. Only thing I want to talk about workout wise lifting is you guys know I've been lifting in my backyard for like the last year and a half now. I made the, one of the cheapest purchases. There's these attachments called Angles 90. They were like single handle, like cable attachments. Dude, it's giving me like two dozen more like workout options in my backyard like doing barbell rows with these things i'm starting to do like safety bar squats with these things angles 90 they're like 50 bucks if you're working out at home right now like i i can't recommend these things any higher dude they are what are these I mean, things they're straps are these like t90x or something it's like a single like a cable attachment if you're going to do like a single arm tricep press down but you can just like choke them around anything you put i put them around bands do accessory work i put them over pull-up bar to do pull-ups i put them around the barbell to do like rows i mean it's not not good for our, your crossfit wise but if you just like to lift weights man those things are are sweet i think i fused two things i fused trx and p90x but yeah i see what, i see what you're doing here that's pretty cool never heard of this brand 50 bucks is pretty good price point comparatively Great home gym edition. What'd you get into this week, Nick? Nothing crazy, guys. You know, I, I kind of got to the point this week and last week where, 
you know, usually I like to lean into the pain and I've backed off that a little bit the last couple of weeks. Hopefully my testosterone is not fading or something. Or I'm not becoming. Wait, wait a second. What about the workout you were texting about? Nothing crazy. No, no, no. Talking See, about taking lifting it easy. Heavy, lifting heavy is fun. Lifting heavy slow is even more fun. I'm talking about like some of the program the last couple of weeks have just been like just a pencil sharpener. Like you're just grinding for, you know, 20 minutes. And I just don't have it in my head right now. I love the stuff that I sent you guys because that's an EMOM with three, uh, three heavy reps in a minute. You're resting 20, you know, 20, 30, 40 seconds. So I'm just saying, just putting it out there because typically I, I have the switch in my brain where I don't have any interference. Last couple of weeks, I've been like, I don't want to die in the gym today. I'm a little concerned about it. We'll see. We'll see when it uh, comes back. But really, with all the, all that to say, I've done some more heavy lifting, some 40 minute EMOMs, which are fantastic. We've talked about ad nauseum at this point. Dan, before we get into Dan John, the cast is off, and you are working out a little bit, so that is good. Props. To I, you. Yeah, I have the hard cast. The hard cast. Yeah, but it's cool because I can sweat in this fucker. So oh, I can do, you. yeah, I can, yeah, so I can do everything. I just can't like use the wrist really yet. So I've been doing a mostly unilateral stuff. I want to talk about a run because I, you know, it's been a minute since I talked about a run, but it was just like Wednesday of last week was the first day I could work out. And I was like, I'm going to go, you know, I've never done the bridge in Ocean City. So it's about total about 4.3, a little over two up, a little over two back. Not many hills where I live in Ocean, you know, this is around Ocean City, New Jersey, but the bridge in Ocean City, New Jersey, has a few pretty brutal hills and it's very deceiving. You drive over that thing, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, it's whatever. But when you're running over that thing, it's actually where we, uh, where we ate, where we ate dinner that one night, Nick, the bridge that goes over there. It's, it's yeah. kind of, it's kind of a motherfucker. So it was a great run and came back, had a squat session, some core work, some bicep curls, strict presses, skull crushers on the right side. So just kind of keeping the bodybuilding stuff up on the right side, trying to hammer legs as much as possible. And yeah, getting through it so so pretty fucking boring for my end but it doesn't matter because we had dan john he brought the heat so you'll need to hear my bullshit yeah and without further ado no need for an intro you know this man hope you guys enjoy welcome back to the strategy of fitness podcast one of our favorite guests maybe our favorite guest we are biased here dan john what's going on dan well you know i've had a fun week the last two weeks i've had a you know we've had these i don't know the Everyone's calling them tornadoes, but I guess officially they are weather events. But I had a tree do a lot of damage to my house, and then I've got a lot of the a gate, and so I've had this chance to do loaded carries with you know a bunch of stumps and limbs, and you know get my workout in the old fashioned way, you know. But right now my roof got repaired today, and Friday I get this other stuff taken down, so. It's been fun, but I'm still getting my training in. I'm a lump of glyph. I'm doing this weird little two-week fat loss boost from Rusty Moore, where I'm eating basically just protein and veggies and Olympic lifting. So I don't know about throwing in a couple storms, you know, on top of that. But hey, that's what I decided to do. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. So, well, let me. You are way happier than a typical person would be after some storm damage. So good for you. Make it some time for us and and just being in an overall good mood. Good for you. Well, I mean, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, you. Good point. Then, you know, my daughter's running across the house the other day with the baby trying to get her uh, the baby away from windows. And I'm like, yeah, OK, roof damage versus that. I, I get it. You know, I, I'll, I'll deal with what I deal with. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Did you guys, when we went live, when Rob, I don't know if they have a new protective mechanism, but did you guys get the Jeffrey Tobin warning, the Tobin warning, whatever you say his name is, that, that were being recorded? I don't know if you guys got that. Yeah, I did see that. <laughs> that was a bad joke, Dan. Sure. They, they, they do not want it slipping by the thing yes, that's yeah. by Zoom now. Yeah. So I'm, I appreciate that. Thanks for being with us, Dan. Yo, I know you have Dan John University. Yeah, I've been reading all your articles like a fiend, you know, knowing you're coming on again. Do you teach writing at all? You know, because you are the most simplistic. You, you might be one of my new favorite authors of all time ever. And, right, and right? it's just the, the simplicity of your sentences. You get to the damn point. And then I think you do this thing on T Nation where you almost take some of your older articles and, and, you, and you, you chop them down even further. And it's the greatest thing ever. I heard a great quote one time. I never quit a book because it was too short. <laughs> that's pretty good and i love that about your writing and i want to thank you slash not thank you for giving me this workout the coyote which i did a few months ago except i didn't have a 53 pound kettlebell so i did it with a 62 pound kettlebell and for our listeners out there if anybody wants to try this workout it's infinitely scalable one of my favorite workouts ever 20 rounds for time this is a dan john original 15 kettlebell swings the intended weight is a 24 pound kettlebell or 24 i'm sorry kilo Mm-hmm. That translates to 53 pounds, five goblet squats with said kettlebell, and then three push-ups. Again, that's 20 rounds. Doesn't sound bad, but 300 kettlebell swings is no joke, man. Tell us about yeah. what the, the thought process and the intent behind that workout and how you've utilized it in the past. Well, the Coyote Point Kettlebell Club, thanks to Dan Martin, he came up with the idea. But when I moved to California a couple of years back, I've moved back to Utah since. But I wanted to keep my hand in coaching. I think it's a real mistake as a coach not to coach. Now, I know... I, it's one of, you may, you say that sentence out loud and you just want to go, yeah, well, okay. Uh, uh, what is it? Captain obvious in the commercial, you know, but one of the things about coaching that quickly goes is your ability to coach versus cue. Once you stop coaching, you very quickly slide over to over coaching. So would you mind reminding me, Daniel, coaching versus cueing? And I'll finish the story. Then we'll come back and fill the gap in Co- coaching versus cueing. Yeah. Yeah, So when I moved out there, Dan said, you know, I've got kettlebells, I'll make sandwiches. And and he just put up a little thing on, gosh, one was on Facebook and one was on one of the forums. So we showed up the first day and there were seven or eight people at Coyote Point, which is a park. And you all brought, you know, you're supposed to bring something. You're somebody brought one of the first TRXs, for example, one time you bring a kettlebell. Uh, Someone brought yoga mats one time. And with the pieces of equipment we'd have, I would link together a workout. So your job was to bring water. Nick's job was to bring sandwiches. You know, somebody else's job was to bring extra kettlebells. Somebody who doesn't have kettlebells would bring an ab wheel. And then when I'd get there, I would put together these workouts. And the basics were mostly we would try to get big global mobility work in, some flexibility work in. I would practice on them some insights I maybe came up with on this or that. And then we would have, oh, kind of, so if it was an hour and change workout, somewhere around the 30, 35 minute mark, we'd have like a 10 to 15 minute workout, okay? So there was mobility, flexibility, corrective work. This is how you do a Turkish getup work. This is what a kettlebell swing stuff. And then some kind of workout. And what was nice about it is that we had a lot of people keep copious notes. And so if you go to my site, danjohn.net, or just type in coyote, coyote, you know, point 
kettlebell club. I think it's a 51 page free document. Help yourself use it as well as you can. In fact, uh, what happens in a lot of cases is people read the document and then write an article about T Nation, literally stealing it word for word and claiming it as their own. And this one person I'm doing a workshop with in February, um, and I'm already trying to figure out how to be kind to this person without bringing the wrath of Dan upon them. Yes, yes. But that was the idea there. And so some of the workouts, we, we kept playing around with different ideas. Some of the workouts were like, okay, let's do this for time. Okay, that works pretty good. Let's do this for you know, finish, you know, get to the finish line, you know, that would be a ladder workout. Like the humane burpee is 15 swings, 10 gobble squats, 10 pushups, 15 swings, nine gobble squats, nine pushups. And it goes all the way down to 15, one, one. So that workout would be like a finish line workout. Whereas like something like, like if we did 10 swings, two gobble squats, one push up every minute on the minute, we'd try to go maybe 30 minutes. So, you know, it, you know, so you kind of just change, you, you, you're just kind of changing the parameters just a little bit, but the key was this, I was probably the third oldest person, but you know, Dan is, Dan's probably in his late sixties, retired firefighter. We had a bunch of young people. And so we had a nice mix and it gave me a lot of feedback on these kettlebell workouts, which is the key to everything. No, I'm looking at this, by the way, it's great. It, you're Like you said, it's 51 pages, but there's a ton of workouts here on the back end of this. Yeah. Yeah. Just one more thing I do for you, gentle listener. You really are killing us with kindness. Hey, before we get any further into stuff specific to you, what are you, what, what are you getting fired up on these Olympics so far? I know you did the, the Olympic lifts and I'm sure you, you know, yeah, well, you're your thrower, thrower, right? Your yeah. I mean, Valerie Alman winning the women's discus is I'm going to put up an article this week about her in my wandering weights about, so her background is in dance and the, her coach talks about how dance taught her the discipline, the consistency, the proprioception that you need to be a great athlete. And I'm, and one of my knocks on many high schools when I go coach is, and, and, Please, gentle listeners, don't take this mean at all. But I've had coaches tell me, well, we just find the big fat kids and have them as throwers, which is why I used to kick those kids' ass uh, uh, gently and very kindly. Because, you know, when I was in high school, I weighed 162 and threw 170. But I was, you know, I played basically a defensive back position. I was a wrestler. I was a good athlete. And I was fast. And I had good technique. And you, no one would ever say that I was a, a you know, a, you know, a, a chubby little kid. And what, what some coaches miss is that who you want doing the throws are your tight ends and your fullback core. You know, people who can, who don't need a lot of headlines and don't need a lot of, oh, you're the best. Oh, Billy, you're the, you know, you, you know, you need that kid that's a little bit. You know, I, I hate to say this sounds horrible. <laughs> Many of my best athletes have had, you know, kind of life issues. And the discus shot, javelin hammer, Olympic lifting football have been their outlet. And those are the kids you want. So I guess this is the strangest thing I've ever said in my life. But I guess as a throws coach, you're working for a, a certain style of athlete with some family issues. <laughs> That's not what I mean. But it's true. But it's not what I mean. How many, how many of the, like, to your point though, like I'm going to back you up here. How many phenomenal, great athletes, especially when you get into combat sports, especially when you get into collision sports, like football come from either rural backgrounds, broken homes, 
you know, inner city areas. And it, like you said, it is their outlet. There's no other options. There's no other plan B. And, and, you know, like, you know, it is the way of the world. Like sometimes you need that Mike Tyson, like Mike Tyson, you know, if he doesn't go into boxing, there's not a plan B or plan C. Like you, you kind of don't know where that, where that career goes. There's a lot of, you know, mental health damage, yeah. you know, that he, he is sustained as a young, a young man. And, and oh, the, yeah. the sport provides a great outlet for the, for these young athletes. And, and think about like Larry Bird growing up in French Lake, Alabama, mm-hmm. or not yeah. French Indiana. And, and there's literally not, not fuck all to do except for shoot baskets. Like yeah. that's how you become good at shit. And, and also he had a, a, with his father, I think believe committed suicide. Like these are serious issues. Well, you know, the, the suicide piece. Dan and, Gable's know. Dan Gable's sister was murdered when he was young. You know, I mean, you know, I, I, not to, not to lean into my brothers too much, but you know, three of them went to Vietnam and two were disabled from there. And I grew up, that's what, that's, that's what I grew up with. And it was like, that's not normal folks. But what it did is it allowed me to have the outlet of sports. So I do agree with you, you know, L Frank Baum in the book, Scarecrow of Oz says, ordinary people are like leaves in the tree. They just die and they fall off. I want the extraordinary ones. The gentle listener, it's absolutely fine to be normal. Normal is great. And I honestly, I, I every day I wish I was normal. But so I run with that, the passions that my, my experience make me run in. And yeah, I, I, there's a lot of very healthy, balanced people. There's a young little girl who's the gymnast that, that one jackass tennis player. I don't know. This professional tennis player got up or grill about not being able to handle pressure. That was at Djokovic, right? Yeah. And then the next day he loses and he breaks his rackets and he starts doing this public tamper, temper tantrum. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you clean up your backyard before you start talking about somebody else? No showed to his doubles match. He pulled out of the doubles that he was supposed to be in. Yeah. There's a, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. So this little girl, Simone, I believe is her name. Simone Biles. Yep. Yeah. She's been abused by her coaches, phys- sexually, physically. Listen, man, she, she gets a total pass in my book. Now I'm not some online warrior, like some of the jackasses I've had to deal with on Facebook. Somebody said some stupid, he's running for Congress. And he's an at, he's a CrossFitter. And he's like, when you put on those, you know, red, white, and blue, you represent America. Shut up, man. I was an American athlete my entire life. The amount of money the United States has given to me as an athlete is some total. Let me give it to you. Let me, let me find a piece of paper. There you go. Right there. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> the utah state university gave me everything skyline college gave me everything my you know working extra jobs is what got me to track meets this that really bothered me if, if this guy makes it to congress he had better come in with a comprehensive plan to support financially americans athletes yeah and good let's see that happen Oh yeah, and if she had a, if she had the, you know, they call it the twisties, that vertigo. I mean, she could have really, you know, really messed herself up. You know, long term damage, broken, you know, broken neck. You know, I, and none of these assholes who are online talking shit. Nobody's going to be there to have her back as she's going through rehab, yeah. as trying to find a fucking wheelchair that fits her. So yeah. they can all kick rocks, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it's like when I'm a, I'll be at a thing and someone will say something. God, how stupid is Belichick? You know, or Tom Brady. How come Tom Brady's had interceptions? Like, dude, shut up. On the best day of your life, you couldn't throw a screen pass. <laughs> Honest to God, one time I was working with that one. I used to work with a professional basketball team. And one time we were out shooting around and one of the guys was just messing with me. He just said, just try to take a shot. 
I could not even get the ball up to here to take a shot before the ball was, you know, 75 rows up. The level of, and he was a 12th guy on the Jazz, Utah Jazz's team. He was number 12. The, <laughs> the worst guy in the NBA is the greatest basketball player you'll ever meet in your life, will dominate everything you ever do. And this Simone girl is amazing. And anytime someone criticizes an athlete or a coach, I'm always like, Sorry, I don't that don't mean I don't know why they're empty. You can say you say you can say it, Dan. They're a fucking zero. Yeah, that stuff pisses me off. But okay. I hate Tom Brady. I'm I'm a Tom Brady hater though. Well, yeah, but full disclosure. I mean, hate him all you want, but oh he's he's the best. Yeah, I can't I'm I'm just like I said, I'm just a coaching coaching versus queuing real quick. This is something I I did a workshop this weekend. It was it was so it's in my head as I as I go through, but queuing are those little words you throw out while your athlete or client is moving. So stay tall, squeeze, go, go, go. That's cueing. And that's all you should say to somebody while they're in the movement, especially if it's ballistic. And in fact, if it's ballistic, when I throw the discus, it takes me 1.6 seconds to deliver. I don't even know if the air, the acoustic airwave will get to me by the time the discus is in the sector. But coaching is what you do after the athlete's arousal levels come down they've had a few seconds to breathe. They've come back to being more of a mammal, maybe not human yet, but more of a mammal. And coaching is when you start talking about the nuts and bolts of things. Whenever I see a terrible personal trainer, especially, or coach, they are, they are coaching when they should be queuing. There's a high school here in town where the, the football coaches come out in the field and tell the defensive backs, Watch 84, watch 84. And you can see the poor defensive back look over to the sideline like, what did you think I was doing? And But what happens is the ball is then snapped, and you can see the poor kid, if you know sports, they're in a moment of you know wide focus to narrow focus, and the play is already happening because the coach was coaching, not cueing. And that, I think, is the sign of good coaches Good coaches in action. Well, the best thing you do is just fold your arms. I mean, this is the best way to coach while the play is going on or your athletes performing. My daughters have a hilarious imitation of me when my athletes throw this discus. It's like because I'm doing everything in my in everything I possibly can not to say anything. So I grab my lips. So I grab. I fold my arms. I cross my arms. Double cross them like this. And and uh, so I just want to bring that up. So it getting back to the coyote point that taught me because uh, I worked with a lot of people I'd never even met before the importance of having a moment of coaching and then a moment and then we cue, then we get our breath back and then come back in and, and correct and, and coach. Dan, so I've been watching a lot of the weightlifting in this this year's games and that your point hits home a lot there. It's I, I love watching these coaches. They walk their lifters out. There's not much to say because I mean they they put all this training. Every one of them, and then it, they they got to walk them back to the waiting area. They're coming up with strategy for the next one. So I mean that's a very fine line to walk. So, I mean these are some of the best coaches in the world. Have you watched any of the weightlifting at all? Yes. Or are you, yes. Are you are you getting missed, amped up for last year to go tomorrow? Yeah. What I'm going to try to do is what I'll do is like what I do at every Olympics. I don't like the coverage that you have on the on the channels because I don't honestly. I first off, the commercials drive me crazy, especially in real time. But I I don't like the fact that they showed one throw of Valerie Alman. 
So what I'll do is in the next few weeks, I'll start getting the, I'll start getting the more raw footage. I have friends who are there and they'll send me the film there. They'll send me their, actually, it doesn't work as well as you think this, our, your telephone is great, but you don't have enough storage for a hour and 15 minute event, you know? Yeah. I, I, I tend to come back after like at last year's worlds. It was interesting because I was talking to Sean Waxman. He's the guy who does our announcing at the world championships and weightlifting. And I told him, you know, I, I like to wait. And instead of watching it at 2 a.m. in the morning, I like to watch it later <laughs> where I can actually watch it and fast forward through some of it, too. You know, like with weightlifting, sometimes when they're doing the whole, I, you know, I'm going to take one kilo more so the clock stops. And so, yeah, I, I, I will watch. I think I'll probably catch almost all the men's stuff. But on the female side. I probably will watch the middleweight females and the lighter weights. The, 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 the problem I have with the, the, on the female side is I don't have four foot four athletes. So the style, the techniques they're using doesn't, doesn't care. And on the men's side now, it's the sport has become so short that it's getting hard for me to use those, the men's techniques too. So the barbell was standardized in about when the 1930s and it's way too narrow and it's way too low to the ground. Bob, how tall are you? I'm about 6'2". Okay, so if you were to snatch, you would probably find the collars way too narrow. So when I snatch at meets, sometimes uh, I'll have I'll end up, with, as I stand up, with just my thumb and index finger on the knurling, and my, and my hands will kind of popped out to literally being on, the, on that, inner, that inner collar. That, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, even at six foot, it's too too narrow, and it's way too low for the ground for anybody over five foot eight. You know, if it was up, but I, I always think Olympic lifting would be saved if you could just, you know, when you walked up, they had an adjustable thing where the barbell was one inch above your knees. You know, so you could clean it like Niam Sulaimani used to do, where you just kind of jumped it right there. Yeah, yeah. Is that okay, my, per up my perfect world. So that's something we talked about before is the arbitrary nature of the barbell and the plate. Like there's, it's hard to have a standard pulling off the ground. So, I mean, that, that's a great point you bring up there. You kind of have to be built for elite performance these days. When yeah. you look at the guys like Lee Zhaozhan, like the guy's just, he's built to move heavyweights. He's 37, still winning gold medals. Like, I don't know how you compete with that guy. Well, when I do work with the American military, that's one of the first things I go over with these guys is that like in my post-deployment program, everything is racked deadlifts. And it's like, well, why aren't we taking off the floor? And then I, and then we go through how they're not, they don't hinge off the floor because they're, I mean, the push in the Olympic lifts, you sort of leg press up until the, you, you got until you clear the knees and then you hinge. That is a very sophisticated movement, especially when you're pulling a big load and your brain is going, go, 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 go. go. And you're, and the correct thing your brain must be is like, wait now, just wait, just wait until it just Dan, just one more, just another little, just wait. And you know, no offense, but that's not the way the brain works when you're trying to clean the jerk heavy. The, the heavy clean the jerk is go, go, God, go, get it, get it, get the damn thing off the ground. <laughs> go, go. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. My my perfect world, the barbell would be, oh, I don't know, way wider and and much and the and the plates would be much higher what about this here's a fix that just came to my head and you could 
maybe, I don't know, this is, this is not a very workable solution, but if you had the end plate, so let's say you're doing 45 pounds as the first plate you put on, right? Mm -hmm. If you had a, a 45 pound plate for somebody who's 5'8", 5'9", 5'10", and then, hey. you, and then you put every other plate on it and that would be, so that would be kind of a level of the playing ground. I mean, I'm, I'm six foot as well. I think we're all on the taller side of this podcast. I mean, let's get this, let's get this going. I mean, it's, it sounds crazy as we discuss this, but what happens is, for example, you know, if you want to change the way shot putters look, just change the implement. It'll take 20 years, but you know, if they <laughs> But, you know, if they went to a two kilo female shot put yeah. instead of the four, well, they, they you, would, you would have a much more high jumpery looking shot put group. You know, if you look at the women's hammer, the women's javelin, the women's discus, most of the women in those three events, I guarantee if they were in evening wear or a swimsuit, your first guess wouldn't be Olympic level thrower. You know, they just don't look that way. On the men's side, you know, with that 16 pound, seven, 7.26 kilo shot, you know, the, the, you need to be a big engine to throw that. And that's where the, you know, the, the discus winner is 340 pounds. You know, Daniel Stahl is 340. I mean, that's, and if you want to change the way discus throwers look, you know, just change, change the implement and it's going to change, it's going to change the whole nature of the, the event. You know, I saw you you do some really cool like five ten minute long questions q and a's on your youtube channel yeah. and someone asked you the other day they were about to do they're a week out from an olympic lifting meet and they asked you like kind of how you do that what do these olympic lifters as they're preparing for the games they have qualifiers i'm assuming they're still ramping up to a certain point and then they're or tapering off. What's that look like? No, not not at the Olympic level, not okay. at the world championships. Those guys actually probably lift. I mean, these guys probably are breaking world records in training up until four or five or six days out. I mean, so what happens at the at the Olympics is your let's we'll use the old numbers because it's easier for me. You got a 90 kilo lifter, you know, five days before competition, he weighs a hundred. So, well, that's maybe, man, that might not be an exaggeration, but let's just say weighs 95. So it has to lose, they need to lose five kilos. So as they lose those five kilos, they, they, they need to weigh, you know, they lose probably five to 10 pounds, I would say on normal. So when they're, the, the thing about modern Olympic lifting is who's the person who can keep their level of strength the highest with the impact of that weigh-in. Because you you know you just you just barely want to make weight. You want to drink. Uh, by the way, I'm drinking Diet Seven Up because it's past uh, six, so it's my delicious Diet Seven Up for the evening. You know, uh, the, it's last time I lifted in a meet. So my goal was to get down to 96 kilos to lift at that class. So last meet, uh, last two meets, I, I weighed in at 102 in the first meet. If you know me, you know I'm always on the run up early and home late. So having a three hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because it was, I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. 
It's one scoop, mixed in water, once a day, and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process, so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash provengrit. That's drinkag1.com slash provengrit. Check it out. You know, I can guarantee I weighed, uh, I think it was 101.5. 20 minutes after I weighed in, I was probably, uh, that's uh, 223. I bet you I was 228 when I was on the platform. You know, because I just drank a lot of, you know, stuff and ate. And, you know, now they only give you two hours, which sucks. Because I'm in a, a male in the heavier classes. So I generally left at 4, 4.30 in the afternoon, which means I have to weigh in at 2. Weighing at 2 in the afternoon, which means you have to wake up and not eat and do all that other stuff. It's uh, just frankly. Of course, I'm 64, so I'm allowed to bitch all I want about everything now. So, you know, when I was in, I was, when I was young pup like you guys, I was much nicer. But now it's like, you know, you roll out of bed. And, and of course, I wake up at 5 or 6 in the morning and work. And it's like, okay, good. Now I'll just drink a lot of coffee and not eat. And then, you know, noon rolls around. And, oh, good. Only four more hours there, you know, or two more hours of not eating. And it's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm used to fasting, but that, I think that's so with those guys, with our Olympic lifters now, the, the idea of peaking is not even a thing. You know, you're looking at people who, who go limit is what is the correct word. Not the word max always has so many connotations to it. Some of our lifters think, Dan, why don't you talk about your max? And it's like, well, what do you mean by max? You know, for me, the only time I ever max is when there's three officials there and this lift means I win or lose. That's to me what a max is. And then there's probably listeners who've been lifting weights for three weeks and they're, my max is 110 pounds. What's 90% of that? I don't know, but your, I know your max isn't 110. So don't worry about it because in three weeks it'll be 150. So, and there is no program. Cause you're, you're, you're brand new. So when I'm looking at some, the way some of the modern guys are training, uh, the, the thing that amazes me the most, and I had a buddy who was that watching the Bulgarian team train, not peaking, but just train normally. He said he was watching them. I think he said he was there for three weeks and he only saw one of their lifters miss once. They just don't miss. I think that is a better, that's my whole easy strength idea is just find loads that you just don't miss with. Because like Tommy Kono said, you know, if you miss, it takes you three correct attempts to undo the miss. And I used to think that's correct. Now I think it's more like 10 or 15. So, uh, and I've never been hurt on a make. All my injuries, all my injuries come from misses. All of them. God, it's so true. And it's a mental thing too, right? If you miss a clean forward, you miss a jerk. I I miss almost everything forward. And it's so true. The next time you get to that heavy barbell, you're thinking instead of moving. You're exactly right. And it takes probably your third or fourth attempt. And then you're like, okay, I got my swagger back. Yeah. But yeah, I, I love that. 
So, it, and, and I'm not necessarily qualified to work with an elite Olympic lifter, but I am. I do think I I can provide some insights. You know, for a normal, you know, some, you know, your your average Joe. You know, go back to dodgeball for a minute. The average Joe weightlifting team. I can help you. The biggest thing about peaking for Olympic lifting, and especially the last two two weeks, is not destroying all the progress by being stupid. I also emphasize a lot, taking a lot of Metamucil suit. I, I, there's nothing worse than being constipated on a weightlifting day. And I know everyone, everyone laughs at that, but it's a tough one. And then the other thing I really try to train my people is not worrying about sleep the last two nights. When you travel, you might, you might end up next to some group of jackass high school kids who are, who are superstar basketball players. And you might end up on that and, as they do when, when I was down at the state meet two months ago, I mean, I had this family who had no control over their three boys and the boys were doing wind sprints in the hallway all night. Well, I've trained myself not to care about that night's sleep. I just don't care about the night before. And that's, that's, uh, that's something my book on competition prep is called, can you go? And the idea is I personally don't care whether you had your you have this magic thing you need. I don't care if you have it or not. I don't care if you slept well, because this is the statement and you've been working for this for a year. I know it sounds cruel, but it's helped me a lot as a coach. You know, if your starting quarterback goes down warmups, you're still expected to show up, you know? And so that's, it's, it's sounds cruel when I first talk about it, but as you kind of sift through it a little bit, you're like, yeah, you're right. Cause you know, you're removing, you're removing the excuses and, Think about the last time you really needed a good night's sleep. You're stressed out getting in bed, thinking about how much you need this sleep. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get it, you're shook all night and then you can't sleep. And it can't, and the next morning you're crying because it's a mess. Yeah. You remove that excuse right up front. Um, I, I, one of the things that's helped me the most, and, and in fact, it was interesting because I had someone talk to me a couple at the, not the, so about, ooh, about six weeks ago, I lifted in a meet and it was, it was kind of a fun one. It was just a local fun meet. In fact, Sean was uh, Sean Waxman ran it. It was kind of nice to have him here. And my goal was to go six for six and then break all the state records by one kilo. Now, why that? At my age and my size, that's easy because ain't nobody my size at my age. So it works out great. I always break record. And one of the one of the older coaches came over and said, "You know what I remember about you most?" And I go, "I go, I was going to say my a magnificent training, my." beautiful technique is that I had this book called Bobby Fisher teaches chess and at weightlifting meets, I would sit in there and do chess problems. And now I've got a, an app on my phone that does the same darn thing. But, and I go, why do you remember that? He goes, well, because while everyone else is like stalking around, you'd be like this. And the nice thing about chess problems for me, I mean, any, you know, you could do a crossword puzzle or anything, uh, but the idea was, to get myself ready to go on the platform, I didn't want to be distracted with sleep or the fact that my record is, I've lost 22 pounds for weightlifting me. That's, that's my personal record. That's tough to do. I'd much rather be trying to think if I have enough rooks and bishops to checkmate rather than the fact that I just dropped 20, you know, 22 pounds. That makes sense to you? So sometimes I think I think we can manipulate the mental side a lot better. Another thing I do is I have this, it's right there. It's a eye mask with Bluetooth headphones. Okay. 
And I, I use this thing called brain.fm. And what I'll do before I leave the hotel room, the motel room, or whenever, I do a 15-minute guided meditation. And even if I didn't get a perfect night's sleep, that 15 minutes of is just as good. You'll eternal rest is coming. I, I I'm going to get plenty of rest really soon. I'm not that. I, I'm fine. I can get through one weightlifting meet. You know. No, that's awesome. I wanted to talk about. So I'm a physical therapist by trade. One of the things I really loved about your articles, this may be a little counterintuitive, but you, you did write about over-mobility, over-foam rolling, kind of, I think I think most people in the lifting community, in the CrossFit community, maybe the powerlifting community have their injuries or their nagging, you know, mm-hmm. stuff. Everyone's got something that they're kind of dealing with, going through. And then you, you talk about how there's certain people who almost do too much of the mobility work, do too much of the foam rolling work, and, and they don't spend any time actually moving the damn weight and, and, and progressing the way they should. And I actually have seen that. And I think that, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it was kind of, it's a pendulum, right? There was none of that, right? Like, like people would never fucking be concerned with that. But now, now the, the plethora of information on social media, the plethora of information on YouTube everyone kind of becomes their own therapist and becomes their own expert. And they know their injury. Like, oh, I saw this guy doing this technique and, and everyone wants to get on board with that. Talk about finding that medium and then give me a quick pie chart breakdown for our listeners. So in a pie chart, in a given training session, what percentage of that time should you be doing mobility, foam rolling, corrective exercise? And what percentage of that time should be lifting heavy ass weights or running or, you know, doing yeah. some real shit? Let me, let me change. I have changed the article you read, but I did a head to toe physical therapist review with my physical therapist, great local guy named Mike Matthews, real smart guy. Let me show you what we, what he showed me that I needed to do. Ready? That, oh, in fact, that was another nice crack. That's the only corrective exercise I need. Okay. So for those of you just listening, I put my arms up in the touchdown position. I shrugged both of my shoulders and I had this marvelous neck crack here. Because throwing the discus for 50 years and weightlifting since 1965, my issues are right there. Number one, I would say, if you're worried about mobility, flexibility, I would go to a good physical therapist and do the whole, I mean, okay, so I've got a, I got a, I got some neck issues from American football. I've got some ankle injury, uh, right ankle from throwing the discus. I got arthritis. I was born with pistol grip hips, so I have titanium hips. I got this. And he just kind of goes like this the whole time. Okay, can't fix that, can fix that, can't fix that, can't fix that. Okay, go, that's good. We can work. And you come down, and what you'll find is you probably need, I got to be careful, I was about to say one, but you probably need one, two, or three things that you need to do. That doesn't mean that the girl over there who's doing all that stretching on the bar because of course everyone needs hamstring flexibility. That's not true. I'm joking. You don't need to do that. You need to do what you need to do to deal with your overuse injuries. Your t- when you got t-boned in that accident that time when you fell off the ski lift and hurt your hip. That you need to work on those first. So let's just, if you don't mind, Dan, let's let's just first kind of globalize it. You need to first. You need to deal with what you need to deal with in your joint let's do this i first think i think mobility is the most important of the things so in my definition mobility is the free movement around the joints and so i always hierarchy everything so for me it's standards and gaps 
So gaps, when I go and work with a professional team or a, a military organization, the first thing I look at in the training is what are your gaps? And the two big ones usually, they don't do what I call authentic squatting. Now, I'm not talking about load. I'm just saying they don't do like a goblet squat or they don't they don't get deep so that they can stretch out the hips and do the lower back and the important work of the ankle because ankle mobility helps with lower back injuries. I think I could be wrong, but I've never been wrong. So I wouldn't know what it felt like anyway. So, so, uh, sorry, it was a joke. No, I was, I was, we were laughing. We were all on mute. That was a good one. So the other, yeah, fuck issue, yeah, fuck yeah. Ankle mobility helps hips. So the next step is, so that's gaps. So, so number one gap is authentic squatting. Number two is loaded carries. Usually you see no farmer walks, no bear hug carries, no sled pulls, no prowlers. Okay. So those are gaps. And then the next one is standards. And standards means across maybe six, seven tests, are you up to standard on those six or seven tests? So for example, let me, I'll give you American football because it's the easiest one for me. The standards I like are for high school kids, one arm bench, the 32 kilo for five, both sides, be able to press military press 115 pounds overhead front squat 205 clean 205 deadlift 315 let's just stop with those if you have 62 boys who all clean 205 front squat 205 deadlift 315 they can all bench 32 for five with both hands kilos and press 115 you're gonna be okay you're your scout team is going to be scary strong so now once you have this kind of standard that you figure it out with a lot of numbers and a lot of good conversations, for example, I spent far too long dropping my standard for females for varsity level high school sports from 75 pounds in the military to 70. Folks, I spent way too much time and energy thinking about a five pound drop, but that was true. 70 was truer than 75. Military press, female high school athlete. And everyone's going to say, that seems light. And my job is to reach across the screen and slap you across the face and said, well, how many high school female athletes have you worked with? Well, none, but it seems light. And then I get to beat you senseless. Well, it's too late. You've already been beaten senseless. Now it's just fun. So standards is when we all agree that this is this baseline. So gaps are the things you're not doing generally that are important. And then standards this is what you, to play at this level, to be in the party, you have to be at this level. So it, for as a discus thrower, it's a 250 snatch, 300 clean, 450 back squat, 400 bench. Extremely light lifts, honestly. If you're up to the standard of those light lifts, but you're not throwing international discus, uh, levels in the discus, ain't my fault in the weight room, brother. It's your technique, it's your arousal level, it's your tension, it's your ability to learn how to throw in the winds. It's something out on the field of play. Once you get to an international level, then let's talk about that 250 snatch going to 275. Let's talk about that 300 clean going to 330. But don't go 250 to 275, throw on 155. Okay, you follow? So, okay, so that was big picture. Now let's get into specifically what you asked me your question so if we looked at the gaps in the training so for me if you're not authentic squatting 
all the corrective work in the world isn't is is just going to send you down. You've got to goblet squat. You've got to maybe overhead squat. Okay, if you're not doing suitcase carries, all the all the extra core work you're doing is garbage. Okay, if you're not up to standards across the board, that weakness. So, for example, if pull ups are important for what you're going to do in this program, and I'm supposed to do ten pull ups, I'm doing three, and I have shoulder issues. The fact that I bench 500 and only do three pull-ups, that's my problem with my shoulders. Not the fact that I, oh, you know, I need to foam, I need to put a lacrosse ball. No, it's because you're you're so out of whack strength-wise. Got that? From there, from there, then I look at individual joint issues. And I'm and if, for those who can't hear, I'm I move my thumbs and fingers around. If you don't have uh, one of the things I talk about when I work with military groups a lot is big toe mobility. If you can't pick your big toe up off the ground independently, so you have your foot flat. In fact, if your shoe is off, try to pick your big toe up off the ground without bringing the other toes up. Well, if you've been wearing shoes that uh, are been crushing your toes for 20 years, you've forgotten that you, you don't have. The ability to move your big toe, you have tight. <laughs> I, I, when I say this stuff, I just feel like I'm a lunatic because it's. I'm telling people to stretch their toes. I'm telling people to stretch their toes, their feet, their fingers, their ankles. But the thing is, the toe bone's connected to the foot bone. The foot bone's connected to the ankle bone. The ankle bone, and if something's messed up at the toes, fingers, it channels its way up. You know, when people ask me about elbow injuries, almost universally, I say, well, let's look at the wrist or shoulder because very often you're feeling it in the elbow, but that's because you, you, you twerked your shoulder doing something stupid. And now you're trying to do, you're trying to protect your shoulder when you do a pull-up and it manifests in elbow pain. Okay. So gaps, standards, and then mobility. Let's look at mobility. After mobility, that's when we start saying things like, okay. And by the way, for almost everyone I've ever dealt with, this is about where we can stop. So this is when you might want, okay, so here, this is a lacrosse ball, okay, right? I put this on the ground while I'm doing my homework, and I'm going to roll I'm gonna roll this on my foot. And I'm going to roll this on my foot. I, I have no shoes on right now. So I'm rolling on my foot. I'm getting, I'm getting right now. It's on my big toe. I'm moving it to middle toes, and now I got on my baby toe. I'm sliding it over. You know, actually, I got to tell you that actually feels kind of good. Well, to me, that's where you go with the mobility work. You go, let's look at mobility. Now let's see. I know it sounds weird to say elbow mobility, but once you've seen someone with a jacked up elbow for the rest of your life, you know what you're looking for. After that, I mean, then you can move to the tissue side of things, you know, but for most people, the tissue side, the tissue side weirdly gets taken care of with deep squats, appropriate push and pull ratios, being up to standard, working mobility. A lot of the tissue work gets taken care of in your training. I mean, some of the best tissue work I think you can do is get yourself a ball and go play sports on a beach for a couple hours, you know. A sandy beach football game. I used when I was young. We used to play football on the beach all the time, and 
it was weird because you would finish the day exhausted. And then as you got up to the parking lot, looked how big the field you're playing on. And it was the size of someone's front lawn, but you were dead in the water because of how hard you had to work. And, and, you know, it, I, I, I hope I'm not rambling too much. No, no, yeah. no. And I think the tissue work is a, it's an important point because I do a lot of soft tissue work. I think as a, right. as a physical therapist, it's almost to me, it's the cheat code, right? It, it's we can do, like you said, if the uh, appropriately pro- structured programs, good standardization of movement, having those standards, having having people get in those fundamental positions that we, we find important in, in this community are very, you know, that's, that's the end all be all getting the person out of pain and, and getting, and getting them feeling good. I think the tissue work, it's like, okay, I'd rather just do the, the soft tissue work, get them out of pain in a week, give them some small correctives. And then, like you said, we'll start piecing this puzzle together in terms of the training, the gaps and the standards in but that, if, in that sense. If you go with my approach, then you have a guy like Mike say, okay, you need to, that's what you need to do. And maybe instead of just going to a masseuse and say, where would you like to be massaged? And you say, you could say, okay, I need my right trap and my left hamstring. I'm here for one hour. And honestly, I don't want to have my aura moved. I, you know, don't, I'm a Virgo. By the way, I, I don't believe in astrology and that's in that stuff. I'm just letting you know. So, well, I'm a Virgo and we're kind of skeptical. Okay, that was a joke. I got, I got that. Okay, if you did, it, it just it just detonated. I, got, I just it. don't want to ruin your flow when you when you get going. I'm laughing. I just don't want so, to chime in. But for me, I mean, if 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 Dan says to me, "Okay, this needs tissue work and this needs tissue work," then we focus on that. And here's the funny thing: if it's my right trap and my left hamstring or my left calf. And I go to a one-hour masseuse, and they spend the entire time there. And three or four days later, you know, all of a sudden, well, maybe something else manifests itself. Or I kind of look at you and like, dude, I'm ready to go. Versus this whole global thing where, and and this is where Brian Gwaltney and I kind of disagree almost daily because he's a big believer in global foam rolling before every workout, and I'm like. Having said that, I appreciate Brian for reminding me of the importance of this global, you know, you do your calves, you do your hammies, your quads, your, your QLs, your, your band, you know, what IT band, your, you know, your pec, your, you know, you're basically your yonder stuff, right? I, I get that. But at the same time, part of my thought process at Dan is that I, I would like a much more, uh, you know, uh, Streamlined sniper sniper attack on it. I'm with you. I, I like more of the sniper attack, and, and we did talk a little bit about Tom Brady, and he he's kind of more of that. And he, I mean, again, he's got money, he's got resources, but he's more of that. Like, let's get every. I mean, if you're trying, if you're Tom Brady, you're trying to you know win your 78th Super Bowl at age 300 or whatever the fuck he's doing. Like, you're gonna have somebody work every bit of your tissue out because you have the money, you have the time, you have the resources. For our everyday listeners out here, for people who are trying to get better fitness and get better health, that sniper approach is going to be much, much better. Yeah. Interesting. When I when I did, I have a podcast, and I, I, del- I should not have done this, but I deleted this person's comment. I talked about how I liked the book TB12 about Tom Brady. And a person who used to work for Charles Poliquin just attacked me 
about how Tom Brady's trainer is a hack and makes stuff up. And I'm like, my first thought was you work for Poliquin and you're saying that someone's a hack. Oh, should I have to be careful? Should I? What's, what's Pol- I, I don't know. Do you guys know Poliquin is? I, I missed that. He was a Canadian strength yeah. coach who used to break everybody out into whether they were a Chinese, they were in the Chinese medicine system. He put a, whether it were wood or a fire or earth. And he also, I have a very close friend that he did some very mean things to. And, but it was just one of those things where, you know, he, he said one time he could just look at the, uh, he could just pinch someone's upper back and see that they were carbohydrate intolerant. That guy Guerrero's, I don't want to say a hack, but he has zero credibility amongst almost anyone. He, I, I think he dropped out of his associate's degree and then went to a defunct school of Chinese medicine. I don't know if he finished that school, and and he, he doesn't have the best reputation. You know, I, yeah. I have my I have my ears to the ground. Doesn't have the sure. best right to that to that gentleman's point. Doesn't have the best reputation. Yeah, but I mean, I'm a hack too. When you get down to it, I mean, just, I mean, I'm a fucking nobody. I you know, I, I yeah. just call him like I see him. I have a lot of letters behind my name and a degree at least. Yeah. But yeah, yeah but no, you know, no, I'm I'm just saying, I mean, yeah. I mean and, and the hardest thing for, for me to get across is some people, if your athlete or if your athletes are throwing 70 meters in the discus, I don't care whether you have an AA or a PhD. I want to know what you're doing. Absolutely. And, yeah. You know, and you know, you find out sometimes, you know, I remember that per, uh, I, I didn't like them, but they, they, they had this love affair with this American he was uh, from another country, but this gymnastic coach, and he could do no wrong. And he kept, he was the guy that was always in Is the photo. Mucciano's coach? Or am I mixing? Yeah. I don't know. They're all I, women's gymnastics. God, God bless those little girls. They, it's just a, but every time, you know, someone vaulted, he would be there holding them and getting his face in there. And, you know, you find out later on the guys, uh, you know, the guys, I was at a workshop one time where this this guy this guy said that he knew all these secrets of the Soviet Union. Well, a couple of years later, I'm sitting down with the guy he was talking about, Yuri Sadiq, the world record holder of the hammer, and I are having lunch together. We had breakfast, lunch, and dinner together for seven days. Okay. So you get a chance to talk. And I asked him stuff about what this coach said. And 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 Yuri just it was funny to watch Yuri's response. Like I never one time in my life did that, but he said, you did. I have never heard of this person. I never did that. I would never do that. Oh, so what did you think about what the guy said? Um, Dan, your name is Dan, right? Yes. You're too stupid to talk to. Okay. <laughs> I get the point. <laughs> so, so yeah. And yeah, I can't appreciate your time enough. This is, this has been awesome to your point though. Like I said, I have my issues with Guerrero. I have my issues with the TB12. Yeah. However, I'm a huge proponent of soft tissue mobilization yeah. in the right circumstances. Like you can't never, you can never, as much as I will disagree with people, disagree with, you know, professionals, disagree with strength coaches. You can never throw the, the one thing I've learned is you can never throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's always something to be gleaned from very, even the most insane person. And you could always be learning, always be learning. Well, and and that's one of the things I try to do, Dan, as I try to go out of my way. When I find out that someone who's completely discredited, very often I'll go and read their work because, it, okay, I agree this, okay, you know, X, Y, and Z is wrong. Okay. But boy, this is working. So let's maybe, you know, can we, can we harvest this? And I think that's my job as a coach. And at the same time, you know, sometimes you find out and I find out some things. I mean, I, I mean, I've had more than a few friends. I'm at a weird age that where 
so many of the people I competed with are, are dead. Um, m- many of them way prematurely because of their decisions to do PEDs. And, you know, like my friend John will tell me all the time, I took them when they were legal. Well, did you take them after the illegal? Well, of course they worked. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but you know, you have to, you have to sit back sometimes. And, you know, I was in here in my gym. If you guys ever get the opportunity, you guys would all be welcome. Of course, at the Murray Institute for lifelong fitness, the MILF, uh, we have this little hall of fame and, you know, a lot of my friends are died before they should have. A lot of my competitors died far before they should have. Having said that, I go back and I look at some of the ideas that they shared with me, and it's like, that was a good idea. Having said that, you couldn't do that without, you know, dancing with the devil. And, you know, uh, upstairs right now, my grandson, Leo, is teething. And, you know, I'm 64, and my no one in my family lives much into the 70s. We either die in America's wars or we die young. Two years ago, I was at a workshop and I said that sentence. I had didn't know at the time that my brother Phil had just died. I want to be around for Leo's life. I want I want Leo to be able to say my name. I want, you know, you know, Leo's dad is extremely tall, you know, and Leo's mom, my daughter, is a fast twitch monster. If he gets those two characters, his character six, he's going to be a superstar. I'd like to see that. And so for me. I think a lot more about longevity than a lot of other people in my role. My best thrower of my life uh, I ever coached is a professor. Another athlete I, I, I loved is a professor of English up at Boise State. Another one, Ed, is a professor of law at Columbia in New York City. Another one of my athletes, Nick, lives in London. He's a videographer, a very famous one. And none of them, you could say, well, none of them made it as a discus thrower, right? I just said, what, three, my attorney is my former thrower of mine. My doctor is a former thrower of mine. My mortician is a former thrower of mine. Those are much more important things in life than some other stuff. And so for me, I like to come back to the big picture sometimes. I mean, I got nothing with being a legend, but it's also nice to be able to see your grandkids graduate from college, high school. College. Well, goddamn, you are a legend. Let me tell you, when we hit you up again, we were hoping for 30 minutes and we got an hour out of you. So this oh. is like uh wait, do we have to stop? No, no. I I could talk to you literally forever. Uh, what, let's 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 hook up again soon. I know it's uh with you guys, you got the schedule. We have a t- gentle listener, we have an issue with scheduling. I live in I live in the west, and these guys live east, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I I mean, if if you guys want to meet more often, like once a month, I'm more than happy. Fuck. Um, like, no, because I think this is that's great. I mean, I want my legacy to be. I'd much rather change some people's lives that I've never met, never will meet, and just the the world's a better place. My 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 three word mission statement is make a dis- difference. So that's I'm all about that and. And anyone knows me that knows that's my mission statement and knows that's, that's my number one thing. So, yeah. 
And, and uh, I can't th- thank you enough again. Really appreciate it. I, and I was hit up by one of our listeners, Sean. He's a, he's a coach and our Jimmy CrossFit coach. And it was after we had you on the first time. He, he came in. He's like, holy shit. He's like, you guys talk to, to Dan Johnny. He's like, I've been reading that guy since I was 13 years old, you know? So so there is a certain amount of gravitas to having you on, man. And we oh, really yeah. pre- appreciate the hell it. out of it, man. It, you know, when you say something like that to me, it, I, I, I do wish my folks were alive because I always joke that if my dad were alive, he'd have cases in my books and every waiter and waitress in the, in Vermont, New Hampshire, Massachusetts would have <laughs> copies of my books, every gas station attendant, you know? Yeah. So, but th- thank you. And a little nod to my mom and dad, because they would have loved to have heard that, what you just said. So thank you. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. We will keep this, you know, maybe we will reach out in, in the near future. Oh, I did want to get you off on a much lighter note. It's it's a quick hitter. First, you're the first person we're trying this out on. One of these keyboard warriors pisses you off. Things go a little awry. Next thing you know, you're on death row. What's the meal you're choosing before you're put to death? It's foods I don't eat. It'd be French toast and pancakes, man. A French toast, pancakes. Yeah, uh, too much maple syrup. Only from Vermont, you. Only Vermont maple syrup. Okay, and then I, I would I would enjoy as a going out. A mimosa, because that's something I would never drink in the real world. Boom. I love it. All right. Danjohn.net. And you better and be. Danjohnuniversity.com. Yeah. Yep. And, and you better be sure we're going to be hitting you up. We'll be talking to you soon. Thanks so it's, much, Dan. It's an honor. And let's do this again soon. Okay. Oh, see ya. Absolutely. You're a man, Dan. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Awesome. See ya. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview. It was so fun. And it sounds like we have a friend now. So we will be talking to him more often, which is really exciting. Dan, any hot streams this week? There's only one hot stream and you guys both know what it is. It's the hottest. The hottest. OBX is back for season two and I'm fucking jacked up. I am five episodes into season two. I don't even know where to begin. You guys, neither of you watch this show? No, absolutely not. Never will. Never have. What else? <laughs> that hurts, man. OBX, the goat. I, my, if I get fired, it's because my boss was actually telling me like Tony that I was so excited talking to people about the show. I was like, oh, did you watch this? And what do you think's going on here? I, I can't be more jacked up. Is it sure. actually good? It's phenomenal. You think I? You know, come on. I, d- I don't know if it's like you know it's good like the OC was good. No, it's it's better than the OC. So it, it's a good mix. So here's here's my pitch. You you remember the movie The Goonies? Yeah, of course. And you like Friday Night Lights? I love Friday Night Lights. So it's Goonies meets Friday Night Lights without football. Interesting. And you got That's the beautiful- interesting fusion. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a great, it's like a treasure hunt, but it's like kind of like high school teenage drama. You got John B, the goat, you got Sarah. How old, are these, goat. how old are these key characters? In the show, I think they're supposed to be senior in high school. In real life, they're all, you know, late teens or early 20s. Uh, get you that drama. I bet you get your heart pumping. Get your heart pumping. It's exciting action mixed with with great, you know, drama and stuff like that. And I wanted to touch on the stream last week. I decided to put it out. It was Woodstock 99 doc. Rob made a good point. I didn't finish the documentary before I gave the review. <laughs> Bad form on my part. It was a little disjointed, but I kind of stand by everything I said. Some parts were kind of bullshit. Some parts were kind of cool. Nick, I'm going to throw it over to you. Did you, two questions. I think I sent you the video. Did you see Fred Durst's new look? Yeah. What's up with that? I love it. <laughs> And did you see the head by Palooza? Like they were like the second lead band. I don't know what the hell's coming. I, I don't third, understand. Third question is, are we seeing them this summer? Because <laughs> I'm kind of fucking excited now. You know, I've, t- I've talked about it a, a lot. Limp Bizkit, not a great band. 
a pretty terrible band, but you put the 10 best Limp Bizkit songs on a gym playlist. I'm not going away from you there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to listen. Someone's not walking out of there alive. There's too much. There's too much testosterone with that on 10. Oh my God. That's a fucking great idea. $3 bill y'all. Yeah. Um, I did see all that stuff. Shocking that for one, he looks that way. And two, that they're, they're, mainlining <laughs> you know headlining shows so amazing was that, like what year were you it was great i was like kind of got a kick out of it it must be how older people like like when i see fred durst and limpus get a lot of blues like i love molly crew like when i go to a molly crew concert like people are like oh fucking young people still like this or younger people when i was 10 years ago did you smoke anything sick this week rob i know your aldi didn't have what my aldi had and it's disappointing Sorry, right, i'm looking up this new fred durst look while you guys were talking no, I went to Aldi. You were hyping up, or we we had, we're all hyped up about the brisket. They didn't have it at my local Aldi. Biggest complaint I have is the Aldi finds are very inconsistent. So I got a pork butt, smoked it up, had a little cookout with it over the weekend. It's it's the easiest thing to throw on a smoker if you're new to the smoking game. Get a pork butt and do it. Nick, Nick, break break down the brisket for us, man. How'd it go? Brisket was good, buddy. Like you said, not huge, but cheap. Threw it on there. In I put it on at two fifteen. Got it up to 160 internal, wrapped the hell out of it. The first time I did a brisket, everyone, I didn't wrap it tight, so it simmered. That's not what you want. This time, it had the right texture on the outside, good smoke ring inside. I mean, it wasn't over-seasoned. Aldi did it right with salt and pepper. It was good, man. I'm about to graduate to a big boy brisket, I think, soon. Also, have you ever done pork belly? I have not. I haven't either. That's on the docket too. Let me ask you this. This 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 might be a dumb smoking question, but for our listeners out there, you know, humor me. Like, you know how when people cook like a whole fucking pig on the smoker or on, on, you know, like they have it with the the sticks in each side and it's on the fire and shit. Can you do that on your smoker? Is it big enough for that? Or you need something you need with the the $10,000 one. You need that big one that you were going to pull by your behind your (sighs) whip. So that's one more reason to get it. That's what you're telling me. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Okay. Sick. Been to a pig pig roast like that, but no, I, I don't. I've never seen a, a smoker that could actually fit a big pig. Back in college, the the, the fraternity next to us that we kind of hated, but they were kind of frenemies. Like when one of us would have a party, we'd tear down the wall, like in Berlin, and let, let you know commingle a little bit. <laughs> they used to they, that was one of the events that we tear down the wall for was the pig roast. They would do the pig roast and you know and share the pig. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's good stuff. All right, hitters. First of all, Dan, again, I don't have any hitter this week. I've been listening to our our gym list, actually. What do you think of Good For You? I just want you to to tell everyone what you fucking think of it. Olivia Rodrigo, Good For You, fucking fantastic track. It's upbeat. It's poppy. But but like I said to Alex, like like we were talking about this with you and Alex, hashtag better shame. She's got like an attitude that comes with it that's like very infectious and kind of like fuck off attitude. And I just love her. And that's very song. OBX, I bet. I bet you it plays in perfectly with OBX season two. It, 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 it should. And it is. But OBX, another thing to love about OBX is it's all Outer Banks. Now, I don't think it's filmed there, but the scenery is fantastic and the fucking soundtrack hits. Not as much as Olivia Rodrigo, good for you. If you guys need a good song to run to or lift to, throw that bitch on. It's already on our playlist anyway. No, no. So you got no hitters. I got, I got one from a band who's like, I've always been like a kind of a closet fan of, but never really like totally bought in on them. But they have some heaters. Uh, Coheed and Cambria, a mm-hmm. favorite house Atlantic, a favorite house Atlantic by Coheed and Cambria, because they have just phenomenal guitar work. And I actually love the singer's voice. It's very unique. So I really like that song. 
I'm a fan. They've been close to making the list for a few times for me. I haven't, I haven't gone there yet, but my hitter is in honor of our guest. Do you guys know who the Dan band is? Do you recognize that name? Are they? Yeah, I think I have heard of them. Are they? Are they right? What's that? They're in the movies. Yeah. Old school and hangover. Yeah. So they yeah. total eclipse of the heart is what they sing in old school. So they got total remix of the heart on Spotify. It actually, actually oh, works wow. as a hitter. So check that one out. One of my favorite pastimes is singing the lullabies of Jack with profanity in there. And I credit that all to Dan Band. And it drives Mara absolutely insane. So <laughs> does, ja- does Jackson get those profane lullabies? Yeah. That's, that's how I sing them to sleep. <laughs> oh, boys, before we, we jump, and I know this episode's going a little long because of the Legends interview, but CrossFit Games happened this, this weekend. Tia Claire Toomey won again. She's just, there's nothing like her. I did want to touch on Brookwell's injury quickly. Looks like an elbow dislocation. Looked terrifying. Do you guys have anything to say about it? I, I haven't looked to see what the status is. I, you got, like, when you dislocate an elbow, it's like a 50-50 shot. It can either be a clean dislocation, it gets reduced. There's no fracture. And you, you're back to, to lifting with three, six months. If there's fracture and significant ligament tearing, I mean, that, that could be a career under there. So I haven't looked to see what her status is, but that is not a. Not so a good what do you man. think? Do you think she has a better chance of returning to game form by next year, this time? Or Annie Thor's daughter who had a fucking kid in August and somehow podiumed? Like, what's more of an uphill climb? Everything's dependent on what Rob said. If it's if it's the if it's the worst type of dislocation, it, I, I've treat I've treated those. And Rob, I don't know how many you've seen, but that was one of my first patients when I when I got out of school was an elbow a traumatic elbow dislocation with ligamentous damage and a fracture. And there's I tried everything. You cannot get that extension back. I don't think. I mean, it is so. Rob, what is your experience in treating those things? That extension is the hardest thing to get back in the whole world of physical therapy. I think. Yeah, it's hard because you have to mobilize them to let it heal. And elbow stiffens up so quickly. So I, I really hope it was a simple dislocation for her. Hopefully, they're able to reduce it with no issues. Because if it's the lateral one, man, that's I can't imagine snatching again after something like that. But I mean, we're just we're just speculating right now. I'm sure there's more details out somewhere on on what she's dealing with. I, I have I had an epiphany, Nick and Rob, with what Dan said, and I love his brilliance. And what he said was about the Bulgarian team never missing a lift. And then watching the Brooke Wells injury and then dealing with my own injury that, that's come as a direct result of weightlifting. God, there's so much wisdom in the not miss, missing a lift and just fucking doing weights you can manage. That, that, that fucking video made me never want to snatch again. And I know it's a knee-jerk reaction. I know it's fresh in our minds. But gosh, that, that, was, that was horrific. It got me mad at the sport because honestly, I don't know how that does. I know these people are professional athletes and they train themselves to always be that turned on. But... I just don't know how that doesn't happen more. Like it, it, it could. I don't know how it does it. Like those, they are such freaks, and she just got a little off balance and tried to save it. And if you haven't seen it, you know, check it out. It looks looks nasty, but yeah, I think we could I, probably I, do an app just like doing a debrief on this and just like watching all the Olympic weightlifting. There's, I mean, it's a to snatch is a very technical lift. If you watch that guy that snatched three hundred five for the males, like the dude had incredible form on the female side. Some of these elite lifters, man, they, there's some suspect technique. And I, I, I don't want to say, I don't know who that it. guy is, but he was insane. His lifts were so crisp. I, I had never seen a crossfair lift that effortlessly at 300 pounds snatching. Yeah. Really? And it's just, 
to use some of that technique you see with some of these complex lifts. It's like, like you said, it's, it's a wonder it doesn't happen more often, but it's just reiterates this having that sound technical base before you start worrying about throwing heavy loads on or throwing these movements into very complex workouts. Yeah. And Tia Claire Toomey is going to try to make the winter Olympics in the bobsled. So <laughs> unreal. One Phenomenal. Of One yeah, of I, All right. Anything around the room before we jump? I mean, there's some other like, like little stuff that we're, we'll probably talk about later, but man, I think that was a great episode. Thanks. Thanks dudes. And uh, thank you to Dan John. Yeah, we'll be only back. way it gets better is if you can sit around a campfire with this guy and have a bourbon with him. This is the next best thing. It's just letting this guy riff. So, so enjoy. Yeah, for sure. And we'll be back next week with listener questions. Part three. Yeah. Peace.